It's Jim, it's the World of Bonds. It's the Corrie Bobbs Bank Holiday Monday. It's the 8th of May, 2023. This is for professional investors only, never ever investment advice. Now, an understanding of the 14th Amendment of the US Constitution is something that few of us would have thought necessary in our World of Bond careers. But that's where we are today, uh, with Janet Yellen saying that the use of the 14th Amendment to solve the debt ceiling crisis in the United States would cause a constitutional crisis. To quote her, and remember she's talking about the 1st of June in just uh, three weeks' time as D-Day for when the US government runs out of money. You know, this is what she said uh, yesterday. We should not get to the point where we need to consider whether the president can go on issuing debt. This would be a constitutional crisis. All I want to say is that it's Congress's job to do this. If they fail to do it, we will have an economic and financial catastrophe that will be of our own making. And there's no action that President Biden and the US Treasury can take to prevent that catastrophe. Um, She is very much of the view that uh, using the 14th Amendment to kind of jimmy through some increases in the debt ceiling would be very, uh, very bad news. But it's not clear that Biden is in exactly the same place as her. Um, Biden said on the same day, I've not gotten there yet when asked about whether he'd ruled it out. So he's not quite ruled out the use of kind of extraordinary measures in order to to, to deal with that 31.4 trillion debt ceiling. Um, So Biden meets with Kevin McCarthy tomorrow on Tuesday to try and raise that 31.4 trillion debt ceiling. What is the 14th Amendment? Well, um, it's another one of these solutions, a bit like the famous minting the platinum coin solution, which you can look up if it doesn't ring a bell. Um, But it relies on, um, I guess, loopholes and wordings and stuff from history that might be used to prevent the US defaulting on its debt. So... When it comes to the 14th Amendment to the Constitution in particular, that's an amendment uh, that largely talks about the Bill of Rights um, and what rights previously enslaved people have. It also deals with things like whether you're a US citizen, if you're born in the United States of America, etc. But it also includes the words, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. So, you know, those simple words apparently give hope that there is a loophole that the President of the United States could invalidate the idea of a debt ceiling if it was likely to call into question the validity of the public debt of the United States of America, which presumably a default would would call that into question. The problem is that this would inevitably go to the Supreme Court. So the president may well be able to do it as a stopgap, but there would be a Supreme Court um, hearing around this and who knows what would happen, but certainly a lot of instability. And this is not what you would want from the world's leading economy, the world's leading currency and the world's leading bond market. And so as a result of all this um, uncertainty and the deadlines coming up within the next um, few weeks, the dollar is weak again today um, and the euro and sterling are strong. Actually, sterling is up at 126.5, which is about a 5% rally from its March lows. And about, as I said before in the last podcast, about an 18% rally from a year ago. 
So I, I think these debt problems in developed markets are going to be a big deal. Um, I think probably for the remainder of my bond market career, having never been something to really worry about um, outside, I guess, of the periphery of the Eurozone during the Eurozone debt crisis. Um, having said that, if you subscribe to The Economist, and I do sporadically, not at the moment, because I do get the fear when I see all, all my copies piled up uh, unread on my desk and I end up cancelling it. I mean, it's incredibly good writing, aspirationally good writing, but just so much of it and I end up feeling too guilty about it. Anyway, I couldn't resist uh, this week's in the supermarket. Um, it's got uh, the front cover of Fiscal Fantasyland, so I bought this £7.99. I mean, magazines should really be £2.99, but there you go. Again, you pay for quality. Um, the Economist does have a bit of a track record of magazine covers as reverse indicators of what happens, and I guess inflation is the um, the example of that over the decades of falling inflation. The Economist has had lots and lots of um, inflation is a coming front covers. Um, nevertheless, uh, it's a good article in there and some good stuff about the Eurozone fiscal framework and modifications to that that are coming to allow some more spending, I guess. Um, in many cases, Europe would quite like, and I think the UK would be very happy to get something a bit like the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States to kickstart green technologies and to kind of catch up with the US growth um, prospects. Europe is falling behind, UK is falling behind there, um, but it does need a fiscal framework. And the article talks about some of the other spending commitments around um, aging populations, around increased need for defence spending, of course, and the commitments to 2% of GDP on that, etc, etc. So if you want to get yourself a bit bearish about um, long-term fiscal prospects, that's worth a read. So other notable stuff from the end of last week, uh, what was quite shocking was some German industrial orders numbers that came up towards the end of the week. Um, they collapsed in March down nearly 11%, down 10.7%. The market had expected a fall, but only of around 2.3%. So a huge fall in German industrial orders. It's the biggest drop we've seen since COVID. Um, driven largely by falling car demand and car part demand linked to that. And I guess we've also seen an end to the pent-up demand caused by pandemic bottlenecks. So, you know, German industry has dealt with the those supply issues now and we're back to normal and that's all ended and suddenly orders have fallen off a cliff and clearly this is a big risk to the eurozone recovery and economic growth and the chances of um, a whole series of eurozone ecb rate hikes as the market's priced in well two or three i guess more to go and then finally we saw non-farm payrolls out of the united states on friday which was the numbers for April. And yet again, this is for now for the 13th month in a row, we came in with non-farm payroll number better than expected. Um, we created 253,000 jobs. Um, you know, not, not the numbers we were seeing some while ago. They are kind of lower than that, but still beating expectations. And we're on a record low for US unemployment of 3.4%. Uh, finally, finally, um, what we're seeing this morning in the US uh, in pre-market trading 
are it is a, a continued recovery in those regional banks. Remember, last week was really all about banks like Western Alliance and Zion Bank Corp, PacWest, etc., um, catching contagion from those three big bank failures that we've seen over the past couple of months. But uh, on Friday, we saw a rebound that seems to be continuing today. So, PacWest is up about. 15% um, so far this morning and uh, hopefully we're we're out of that mini banking crisis although um, I don't think anyone really expects it to go away that quickly but fundamentally um, hopefully we're, we're past the worst right have good weeks bye